everyone to Flyover Footy. It's Phil here, and we I got two good friends of mine here to join me. Matt Baker is here. Matt, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's been a fun week. Sitting here drinking a nice O-Cats from Urban Chestnut that uh, nobody mm-hmm. listening to the pod can see. But so glad it's September. So glad the weather's getting ready to start to turn. Done with summer. Excited for fall. Let's do it. What is O-Cats like? What is it? I don't know anything about it. Uh, personal favorite Oktoberfest beer in existence, I could say. I saw that it was a seasonal somewhere I went this weekend, so now Oh, I'm yeah, alive. they've they've got it all over the place. Schnooks, Deerbergs, Total Wine, you can't miss it. Nice, I'll be watching for that. That's a good hot tip from Matt Baker right there. First of many was, on this show. We got to get them on us as a sponsor, I think. Ooh, <laughs> I really like that idea. We'll have to, we'll have to give that a shot. Uh, Jake, how's it going, man? You've had a rough August, and it's September now, so maybe things are on on the up and up. What do you think, man? How I, you been? I do love fall, and I love that it's September. Although my beer is a uh, it's a not local summer fest, so I'm just clearing out my fridge. I got to restock it with my fall beers, which I'm Respect. really looking forward to. But yeah, I had uh, I had COVID the last couple of weeks. Still, I'm I'm recovered. Kind of not like I don't have it anymore, but I'm still recovering on the mend, uh, but feeling a lot better than I was. And yeah, it's been a weird, I mean, this kind of August last couple of months, it's been weird, a lot of stuff going on. I think the last time I was on the podcast, we talked about my basement flooding. So yeah, but things are getting better. Things are looking up. I'm excited for fall. So <laughs> man, basement flooding COVID. That's a rough month. It is. I'm happy to, I'm happy to see you in September. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Water in the basement. Made it through. You got a foggy brain. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, things are going to be better in September. What? I, yeah, foggy brain. I didn't watch the last soccer game, so I'm oh, just here yeah. for a good time. I'm just here to hang, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky for you, I didn't watch. I didn't have time to watch. I had to work through the games today. I, I watched them all yesterday and didn't work enough, so I had to like make up for it today. Uh, but yeah, uh, See, life's we, good for me we, as well. You know, go ahead, Matt. You said yesterday. We we're we were talking about this earlier. There. There have not been soccer games this week. I mean, the first real tournament starts tomorrow, <laughs> Thursday. I don't know what this what this tournament is that you guys keep referring to. <laughs> it says the Arsenal fan. There used to be something called a Champions League. <laughs> I, I did. Um, yes, yeah, Matt, I don't know if you're helping your case here at all. I think this is just even more sad. <laughs> I did take a nice, long, extended lunch break yesterday to watch Dortmund. Yeah, I played at eleven forty-five. Me too. I got some work done ahead of time. Me too. Went down on my couch, watched Dortmund, finished up my I, work day. It was great. I appreciate you acting like you're speaking as a Dortmund fan and not the other <laughs> side of you. <laughs> I do hey, appreciate that. To be fair, I'm speaking as a men's national team. Raina got two. Uh, there it fan. is. Raina got two assists. That is like, yep. oh my gosh, for, and as, first time. For a U.S. men's national team player to, uh, or an American, to get two assists in a Champions League game. Isn't that crazy? First American to do so. He's only 19 still. I know. And there's still people talking about, is he a starter on the the roster for Qatar? Absurd. We're spoiled rotten already, and no one's happy. (laughs) (laughs) And we've got number nine scoring goals at the wazoo. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but in shitty leagues. Come on, Matt. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We can't talk last, about last U.S. men's full. national team too much, but maybe we'll dabble in that when we get some time when the World Cup starts. That would How be a lot of fun. not at that point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to do that. Um, let's move on, though. Let's talk about our team. We got we got a bit of a quick show this, this week compared to some because we're going to blow through one game. We haven't covered the Timbers 2 game. We're going to skip through that. We're going to do a little bit of Houston coverage today. And then we got a few like fun topics to talk about. And then a big one at the end. And, and uh, I think that one uh, will be a fun one for this episode if you make it that far. But let's talk first about Houston Dynamo 2 versus St. Louis City. It was a 1-0 loss for City. Murana scored in the 58th minute. The other big one, especially we're going to hit on this pretty well, I think. Doling red card in the 69th minute. hey um, it's an ugly one, but let's talk about what we do know other than those details. Matt, do you want to get us started? I mean, coming off the high that was Timbers 2, I feel like we're not going to touch too deep on it, but that, I mean, that as of late in our run of form, that's kind of at this point seen as our culmination, right? It's the fourth win in a row. We're starting our MLS guys, we're getting them involved. Everybody's gelling, the form is great. 
Um, you know, we're still giving up a couple goals here and there, but overall, I think our offense is clicking. And then we run up against more or less a brick wall in this Dynamo Dose game. Um, the stats kind of break out like you would expect most of our losses or most of our frustrating games to break out where we crush them in, in overall uh, shots and shots against. Uh, it was 15 to 5 in shots. And I, I think the the takeaway that I really had is that the one complaint or one of the two complaints that I've had of City 2 this year, lack of finishing and uh, uh, overall holes in our defense when we press too high, we really saw the lack of finishing front and center with this one. Uh, I was taking a look at kind of the, the shot breakdown and the heat map over for our shots. We had a 37.6% shots on goal for the season. So overall this year, our shots on goal um, accuracy is around 37%. This match was 33%. So five of our 15 shots that we had were on goal. Um, but our shots off target were kind of all over the place. You know, we took uh, almost a 50-50 split of shots inside and outside of the box. And, you know, Celio Pompeu had four shots and none of them hit target. You know, that's just an example of how we seem to kind of take a lot of chances, especially outside the 18. Um, Akil had a fantastic shot that was saved early on, but we had very few legitimate scoring opportunities. And we always uh, we always look to the XG as a good indicator, but at the same time, kind of it could be a misnomer. Um, Celio Pompeo had our highest XG expected goals of the game with his four shots at 0.13. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to score goals when you're shooting 15 shots that add up to a single player at the most having a 0.13 XG. Um, I didn't think that we really pressured near goal as much as we should have. Uh, They had a really, really compact defense in the box, prevented us from getting a lot of really good chances off. And that's kind of what you would expect from this Dynamo Dose team who were fighting for their own playoff spot. Uh, this secured a playoff spot for them, so they had a lot riding on it, and they played like they had a lot riding on it. I thought we could have been a little more uh, controlled in our in our attack, but you know their their defense kind of prevailed in this way. And I, I would like to think that it's um, kind of a learning opportunity or uh, you know refresher that we're not unstoppable going into the playoffs you know we've already secured our playoff opportunity this is this is that uh wake up call that you have two matches left in the regular season you got to fine tune these mistakes heading into the playoffs and the the team that we rolled out here can can be has the potential to be more or less our playoff run team you saw a lot of ostrock you saw jensen you saw berkey out there uh you know there's one player that we're not going to see for a little bit but uh, for the most part like this this was a great roster that we ran out and we didn't really seem to connect well, well enough to at least pressure them uh, when all was said and done. Yeah. A few thoughts. Great stuff there, Matt. Um, A few more thoughts to add to that is that Houston, we knew going into this is a scrappy defensive team. They're tight. They don't give up goals. And we have the hardest time with people who do that. And we have the hardest time with teams that capitalize on just a few chances. You know what I mean? Minnesota comes to mind, especially in that regard, where they can be very organized and then they can counter extremely well. And I want to comment on this whole St. Louis defending badly because I think it's going to be a common thread, not just with City 2. I think for the rest of, you know, the tenure of Lutz finish deal with with City SC... Um, we're going to see this high press and then we're going to see a lot of goals let up on the counter. It's just what happens when you play this kind of system in a lot of cases. I just listened to the scuffed podcast and they were talking about Leeds United and how they've been struggling with the counter and they started going off on the center backs on how they need to upgrade the defense. Well, no, in my opinion, those guys Leeds, just like St. Louis city did in this game, They're creating a lot of chances. The XG is okay. The 15 shots is just ridiculous, right? So Leeds is doing a similar thing. They're creating good chances, and if they don't score on those chances and the other team defends well and counters well, 
well, then that's the kind of game you get against a team like Brentford, who's not an incredible team, but they are efficient. They are organized. Um, they know what they're doing in that league, in Premier League. And so I think we saw a, a bit of a interesting similarity to that with Houston Dynamo, too. Um, before we start talking about the red card, I want to say Santi, Santi posted some really good stuff on this one. Um, oh, crap. He said that St. Louis City hasn't failed to score. We haven't been shut out since April 24th, I believe, is what he said was one. Yeah, I think it was the Whitecaps 2 game, if I recall, where we lost like 4 nothing. Yeah, so, uh, so there's only some, the second time. Yeah, so there's some bad stuff here, but that's like, I mean, come on, guys. We're scoring goals. We're making chances. We have reason to be proud of our boys, even in a loss. Um, Soccer Talk Lads podcast retweeted. I need to try to make sure I look at these every time. Gameflow, it's at GameflowPG on Twitter, has a really cool chart of possession. And it's like pink versus orange. It's all pink, guys. I mean, we just had the ball like crazy. And it posts XG, which is 0.6 versus 0.66 to City. Um, Offensive goals plus. This is a new one for me. 0.73 to Houston Dynamo to 0.98 to St. Louis City. So it shows that our attack was a pretty decently better. But the defensive G-plus was 0.45 for Houston and 0.27 for City. I mean, that just like, I think that explains it all. That's what we saw. Those are stats that kind of go along with that. I don't know what to do with those. I just thought they were super interesting, and I like this game flow account. Uh, I've looked at these before. Well, one of the things uh, that I was looking at stats-wise on MLSNextPro.com is they have a passing network. And looking at that in the past few games, it seems like that's an average of where the players are on the pitch as they're passing the ball to each other. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I'm, we sh- I think I'm going to tweet this out afterwards, but our network, you can, you can visualize how it's really a 4-2-3-1, but it's so interesting that our, back, our center backs are – more than halfway between midfield and the 18-yard box uh, when they receive the ball from from Berkey. And then our fullbacks are at midfield on average uh, when they're passing the ball. So there's a connection that you can see between each one of the players. But at, at that point, it's you can see our high press in action. But when it gets down to uh, doling and our attacking mids, they're more or less uh, really compact, lined up close to midfield, just on the opposite side of the half-line marker from our fullbacks. And so there's not a whole lot of space that gets created in that attacking third Mm. on average when we're passing the ball. And I think that's what leads into a lot of our, our issues when we have games like these, where we have 15 shots, five on goal, and we're taking chances outside the 18. We're, we're not able to really press them into the box as much and as often as we want to. And when you can't create the high percentage chances that come with getting inside the box and getting Celio uh, really far downfield in those crossing attempts, which he's so good at, then that's how you end up with these, these lack of goals. Completely agree. Yeah. Um, good stuff there. Jake, we were just watching the replay of the doling red card in the 69th minute, yeah. that red card. Let's talk about it. Uh, Jake, what'd you think about, was that deserved in your opinion? Do you want to recap what happened? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was deserved. Um, <laughs> cause the, the guy, the, the Dynamo Dose player like gets receives the ball right on the touchline pretty much. There's like nowhere for him to go. And then you see Doling just sprinting in full speed, tackles him from behind. The guy didn't catch the ball cleanly like he was bobbling around. So there's a slight chance for Doling to go in there, but it looked like he just went in. I was like, um, I don't know what happened right before that, but I don't know if there was some yeah, frustration right. building or, or whatnot, but he just like took him out completely, like cleared his legs. It, it, it looked real bad. I watched it a couple of times. I'm like, cringing like watching it like it was it was pretty bad and where where he's at on the field like all you really have to do is go close him down there's there's no reason to that's the go thing. in and slide in from behind like that so it's it's frustrating knowing that we could be out like dolan could be out for a few games and it was just kind of a, a stupid thing to do ah, yeah i don't know like it 
No, no part of that was necessary at all. So it's not even close to a 50 50 ball. I mean, there was, no. there was no chance that he could have easily won the ball cleanly. It was the, the positioning of it. And, and from you can, you can see that from the moment that the dynamo dose player received the ball, doling was the last defender, uh, vertically, but he was still at midfield. And so he just full on sprinted to the touchline towards the guy. And you're totally right, Jake, the, the ball was bobbled. And so for a, for a moment, a, a second, the, there was separation between the player and the ball. And in the second that you saw the separation, you could see Doling almost commit before he dove. And you could see it happen as he dove for the ball and the Dynamo Dose player pivoted his body to face the touchline and then secure the ball a little more tightly to the point where Doling may have had a chance to get to the ball on his initial dive before any movement from the Dynamo Dose player. But as soon as that player pivoted, there was nothing for Doling to hit but the player. And also, I think where the frustration is going to come into this, like, or where you see the frustration is if, if so that guy receives the ball and he's going to start running down the line, where you would actually slide tackle to stop that player is like downfield, like get ahead of him a little bit, which Doling didn't do. He just came straight from behind. So like it was, yeah, it was... <laughs> It was bad. There was there was no prevention in it, really. There was just, mm -hmm. I mean, it was just coming at him from a horizontal position. At Missouri State, that might have worked maybe you know one out of five times, right? But the next the next step up, it didn't happen, right? He saw red. I just thought of him as like a bull, and he was just like he saw the ball bobbled and just went all out at that point. There was no looking back. And the sad part is that it was only one zero. I think in the 69th minute, that's still enough time to get a draw, you know, and I, and I don't Plenty know if that would have secured home home playoffs or not. But that that's sad to think about that. If that was the, you know, the last chance we had was that moment. That's unfortunate. Well, and that's that's the thing, too, is uh, situational awareness and not only I mean, I would never expect the players to think macro like that, where. If you lose the game, you're going to miss out on clinching home field in the first round, which that would have happened. If we would have won that match, we would have had uh, a home playoff match in the first round. I, I think that would have put us enough separation from Dynamo Dose, who are in third place, hmm. to to secure that um, home field in the first round. But I would, I would definitely, to your point, Phil, assume that Doling realized there are 20-plus minutes, 25 probably given stoppage, left in the match. And this is a city, this city two team is easily capable of putting up one, two or three goals in 20 plus minutes. So, I mean, trust, trust yourself, trust your teammates. Don't make boneheaded plays like that because the, the, the flow of the game could turn on a dime. And mm -hmm. unfortunately it kind of did turn for the worse at that point. Yep. Dead on. So one more conversation about this red car, Matt, I'm, I'm going to, just repeat what you said so that I can ask this question. I apologize. But like Klaus, you mentioned, has not played a full 90 yet. And so the question is, does he play a full 90? Yes, we're spoiled that we have two amazing number nines. So we don't feel like we're going to take a step back necessarily with Klaus in the, on the field. But if he doesn't play whole 90, a full 90, who subs on for him at the nine position? This is the, this is the big question of the week. Jake, I wanted to lead with you on this one. Is there a player you would put in there? I, I don't know if there's someone to play a straight up nine, but I think with our attacking options um, with Celio and uh, DS and now that o Ostrock is playing out on a wing, like where we thought he was going to be a more central um, attacking midfielder, but he's been out on the wing that gives us that other wide option. So I think you almost play if we have to sub Klaus out, it's just throwing on another one of our wingers attackers and playing like a, a false nine situation. Um, or yeah, just one of those guys can probably play a nine if need be. I, I think we have enough depth in the, in our attacking positions that we'll be fine. What do you think, Matt? Uh, from a perspective of does Klaus play that full 90, I would, I would lean towards no, mm -hmm. uh, at least for the next game. But honestly, the, the right answer in my book is it is entirely dependent on what his prescribed minutes are by Hackworth and Lutz. Uh, I, I have seen 
if not nothing and else, the training then, staff, right? And the train and the training staff, because up until this point, you can clearly see, and Santiago does a phenomenal job of calling this out when he sees it, is when players sub out or sub on, you can easily see uh, a trend of how many minutes they're prescribed for that match. And I, mm. I really feel like our MLS players thus far are on a pitch count where you can see the progression of Klaus. You can see it from Ostrock and Jensen. Uh, Berkey's the exception, obviously. But Pedro, you can see all of these guys have defined minutes or, or ranges of minutes that they're going to play. And I do not think that that will be sacrificed just by the fact that Klaus is now our only quote-unquote number nine on the roster. I think that uh, Lutz and Hack would rather keep him on his program than push him further than what he is, he's been planned to do. And then to Jake's point, we definitely have uh, the attacking midfield depth that something can be worked out. And I remember seeing Doling and Klaus on the field for the first time thinking, truly thinking that, Yes, uh, it's obvious that Lutz and Hackworth have um, ideal uh, formations and ideal ways that they structure the players on the field, but they're more than willing to adapt. Uh, there was one game earlier this year where I called out three or four different formations based on subs that we had in the match, showing a clear ability to and willingness to change up your the way that your formations are, even if you stick to the same high press philosophy. And so whether we come out with a false nine, whether we come out with uh, Diaz acting or, or Kuzain acting as that nine uh, in any given match, which I, I think that could be it. I think Kuzain could end up being in that nine position where hmm. you have Ostrock out wide, uh, Diaz in the middle, and then Celio to the left. That type of a formation could easily happen um, to give Klaus reprieve. I still think that Klaus is going to see significant minutes which he seems to be prescribed more and more uh, the next couple of games, but we have the depth, no doubt. Yeah, we do have depth. And the biggest thing too, is that um, St. Louis city is the best away team in the league. And so I think that's another reason to go ahead and trust your guys, right? Like if you want to keep Klaus on a program, do it. We're good away from home and um, North Texas is handleable, right? They're going to be a tough out, but um you know, if I had to choose, I would say stick with the program like you guys are saying. And um, I could see Diaz going to a, a false nine. I think that would be the most natural thing randomly because he is such a good goal scorer that if he gets himself in good positions and someone like Rivas is playing the 10 or if you move Ostrock to the middle, we got the guys right. I would actually enjoy seeing Ostrock, Kuzain, and um, Jensen or even um, Pompeo, Celio. you know what I mean? Like we got so many choices, but those well, guys that's, outside that's of the striker, that would be fine. That's Ostrock's. What I looked at is his natural position right. is that attacking midfielder, not out on the wing. And so seeing him in that position with Kuzain out wide, I like that idea fun. of It'd maybe put Diaz up front. But I could also see Pompeu playing as like a, a Raheem Sterling style striker because they had to, both Manchester City and Chelsea have had to use him as a striker. And yeah. um, he's not very efficient. That's what worries me the most. Like Diaz seems to be much more efficient. But um, I'm thinking about like preseason um, Pompeu where like he was the only one that was kind of figuring it out early on. So there's that too. Um, he's so he's so good at the crosses and the one v ones out wide. He leads yep. the league in successful crosses. Yeah, I, I don't mean, think that's the answer, but I I mean, just like something in me can see that style of player playing that position. Even though, yeah, I wouldn't do it. Probably. Well, and we we also don't know how many games uh, Doling's going to be suspended for. Truly, uh, straight red gets him yeah. one game for sure. So he's out for North Texas. Um, counting on you absolutely to ask about. Uh, the <laughs> suspension and going forward and what the plan is to Hackworth this week. And I think that'll kind of inform what we think of with, uh, with, with going forward. So you mentioned how good we are away. Uh, and I think that lends itself to whether we like it or not, that's going to lend itself to the long-term planning. We know we've qualified for the playoffs right now as, as fans, we're worried about getting home field, which means more games at Centene stadium, mm -hmm. presumably, mm -hmm. but the fact that city two is such a good away team, I think lends itself to, they're not necessarily concerned about needing to get home field in order to win these matches. So that, that further kind of 
lends itself again and, and pushes to the idea of they're not going to change the game plan to go all out to win these next two games. They're going to continue with their the way that they've been doing things. They'll fill in the holes where they need to, and they'll continue to push for a win just like they have been, but they're not going to go all out to win or die. Yep, completely agree. While we're talking about Houston Dynamo 2, um, Tom Timmerman actually caught this one. I thought it was Santiago. Uh, coming off of a 1-0 win over City 2, Dynamo 2's head coach gets a promotion because mm-hmm. Paolo Nagamura has been fired as the head coach for Houston Dynamo and the two coach, Kenny Bundy, will be serving as the interim. So will that affect the playoffs? Will we see Houston Dynamo 2 in the playoffs and this has some kind of effect? We'll see. Who knows? That's relevant it can't information. Not affect, no? right? It can't again? not affect the playoffs. I feel that who knows, man, head coach leaves, whether it's as a promotion or getting fired, it's still a different regime that's going to be in charge of the team. Yeah. So, you know, we I I don't see how it can't affect them and it could affect them even worse if, uh, you know, we we were talking about will will there be more um, propensity to pull up some of the Dynamo Dose players to get some time knowing that they're out of the playoffs in MLS Mm. and they're playing kind of garbage time games the rest of the season so what is their uh, strategy and philosophy going to be for the rest of their games and how will that impact dynamo dose who we <laughs> could see in the first round of the playoffs if, th- if things shake out that way interesting and yeah oh yeah yeah that's enough that's enough uh this is a fun one uh mls next pro made coach hackworth the coach of the month Zhao Klaus, the team or the player of the month, City 2, the team of the month, and strangely, Patrick Schulte is the goalkeeper of the month who is from St. Louis, right? So, man, what a cool thing. I don't know if they realized Schulte was a St. Louisan, but that's St. Louis across the board for players, coaches, I mean, team, goalkeeper of the month. That's so good to see. I don't think they need to realize that Schulte is from St. Louis. The, the fact that St. Louis is producing. Yeah. Facts are facts. I mean, at this point, you know, St. Louis talent just proves itself, uh, whether they are playing for a St. Louis team or they grew up playing for St. Louis teams from Gallagher to St. Louis FC to SLU. It's, I mean, that's awesome, right? It's a professional league that Mm -hmm. we had a clean sweep for St. Louis in all of the awards for a month. Um, Patrick Schulte. I forgot the name of the other goalkeeper at Crew 2. Is it Brad? It's I can't think of it. But he's a good player, too, and they've been splitting time. And I haven't looked into it enough to know why, but Schulte has started the last several games, like four or last four games. And um, so he has six clean sheets. He's allowed nine goals, I think, in 13 starts. It's hard to say because um, transfer marked counts the shootouts. So I think excluding the shutout, the shootouts, he's let in nine goals. It could be one or two more because the way they count them, I might be off on that. But still, that's a really good start to this um, his pro career Um, doing well like that, getting lots of starts by the end of the season. I'm not sure if the other goalkeeper has moved up to the first team or not, but Schulte is stepping up and doing a great job earning uh, goalkeeper of the month awards. That's great. Well, uh, crew two also has the, is tied with uh, dynamo dose for the lowest goals against They're Yeah. They're definitely a defensively organized team. Yeah. I've noticed that since the beginning of the year. So really, I mean, it's a good place to fall if you're a goalkeeper. That's really nice. It's all you can hope for for St. Louis player. If they're not going to come to our team, they go somewhere they can be used and doing well. Yeah, um, you, you you love seeing that if a if a keeper or a player can't play in the system that we know and love here locally, uh, that they're going to a system that's going to best develop them. Yeah, uh, Schulte is just the next iteration of that as far as St. Louis talent goes that can't stay in St. Louis yet. From you know Jack Lynn, Jack Mayer, you know the, mm-hmm. the of the recent crop. Absolutely. Um, Parker, Isaiah Parker, got a goal this week for North Texas as well. So that's someone we could see in the coming week as well. Uh, And he didn't play that last game. It was kind of crazy, but he could be in the next one. Um, Our next topic is the Shift 4 announcement going to be handling game day, what, finances for the most part, accounts, 
uh, transactions, things like that. Matt, I assume you've yeah. read into this one pretty well. Yeah, it's um, so Square is one of their competitors, and it's oh. it's one of those. Oh. Yeah. St. Louis Square competitors. Yeah. We didn't choose yeah. them. Interesting. No, and I, I made note of that because I was looking up. I was like, all right, they mentioned that this is like a payment processing thing or it integrates all of their different payment capabilities. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, well, that reminds me of what Square can do. And I know for a long time we were talking, will Square be a stadium sponsor, a jersey sponsor? You know, how are they going to be associated with the club? It was almost like a, an assumption mm-hmm. just because of their Jack Dorsey local ties. But uh the 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 thing the first thing i read about shift four is just the fact that they seem to be all over the place in sports way more so than square so they're bringing all this like uh industry expertise from mls nfl nba major league baseball all all i mean it seemed like 90 plus percent of sports teams utilize this and we're not going to see any forward facing like uh, of branding i would assume from uh from these guys, but it's going to be more behind the scenes, what they can make us, how, how seamless they can make all of our, uh, transactions, interactions, uh, everything's going to be kind of easier to manage. And that's one of those things that it's not to, to Stuart's point on Twitter, it's not a sexy announcement, but it's going to be impactful and meaningful to the fan experience, I think. And you know, that it's not, I don't, I really don't think that's one of those like rah-rah type things i think it's going to make a meaningful impact to how we how we experience the stadium and the fan shop and all these things so it's kind of cool to see and um i noted that they were not a founding partner they were just um, named as a partner mm-hmm. so we're starting to get to that point where they're they're signing deals with these uh these companies and they're just they have contract extensions for like five years and they're they're not like one of the starting 11s they're just a part of the team making things happen behind the scenes so they're not going to have the Michelob. they're not going to have the together credit union they're not going to have all this the branding throughout the stadium so it's just an interesting to note something that i feel like you kind of hinted at is that most mls teams seem to have chosen them to do this so it almost feels like kind of a mls is like hey these guys have taken care of us maybe just stick with it and we all kind of have the same clout and with them as well yeah i saw especially this year uh in 2022 they seem to be gobbling up mls teams that they're working with sporting kansas city was noteworthy to me that they just signed a deal with uh though if you read the verbiage of the press releases of both teams us and sporting kansas city you'll notice that we were we were called quote one of the most innovative clubs in sports Mm. by their head of enterprise whereas sporting kansas city was more along the lines of We've signed an agreement with Sporting Kansas City. <laughs> well, that's fun. Can't I wonder that. I wonder if, like, part of that is, uh, like, if you've been to any of the like the fan experience things. That's one thing. I, I went to one of them, and that's something Seabeck talked about as far as like the app. And we know how mm-hmm. awesome our app is, especially compared to other teams and other uh, sports leagues and all around. Um, and and there, how they're going to incorporate it. Oh, shoot. Oh, that's got to be a first. I don't ever remember losing Jake like that. No, I know. And he's been kind of cutting out this whole time and coming back. He's not wrong, though. Uh, picking up where he probably was going, um, they they touted a lot about how utilizing the app to make uh, that seamless interaction with transactions, with the experience, with the stadium. And I can only imagine that Shift 4 is going to play like just an integral behind the scenes thing to what their strategy is. Getting everybody kind of using the app as a means to an end, uh, much more so than you would with the Cardinals or the Blues or those other kind of legacy sports. Mm-hmm. Jake, did you want to finish your thought there? Uh, I think Matt pretty much covered it. So <laughs> thanks for <laughs> jumping in with that. But yeah, Sorry, I think it's going to be how we're going to see that incorporated with the app and how it's going to make the ease of payments throughout the stadium is going to be really cool. I didn't catch that. So we might be able to use the app to get these purchases done. That's cool. I guess that's normal these days. You you should definitely be staying tuned on that one. Okay. Okay. Speaking of staying tuned and Matt Seebeck, um, a few guys other than him as well have been hinting that uh, this new or not new, this Newly raised and attached secondary logo is what was chosen to be posted on the side of the stadium. It is a beautiful light gray, almost white brick 
with the secondary logo, which is, I think, seemingly everyone's favorite, it's sounding like. Uh, rightfully, Jake, I will pose the question that uh, St. Louis City SC post, uh, posed to all of us on Twitter. Do you love it or do you love it? Yes. Yes. All the answer is yes. Uh, it's so it's so clean. Also, I'm going to apologize if I cut out again. Yeah. Oh, but it's sorry. so <laughs> clean and simple and it looks just it looks so cool. It's so good. I love it so much. I like it better. I'm sorry, but I do like it better than our actual crest. So maybe they can sneak that in over the years. Slowly. To me, it's one it's one of those things where um, I, like I'm, I'm looking at the room that I'm in right now and I'm looking at a, a city magnet and a city scarf and a city hat and they all have the St. Louis City logo. And I, I love it. I think it's I, I really I could I could talk for a while about why I love it, but I think it's a great primary logo. And to me, the 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 beauty of a fantastic logo is you have a, you have a great primary logo that accomplishes the goal of getting a brand out there of, of representing your team. But then you also have, if you tweak it just a little bit, it blows people's mind. And I think that's what happened this week is that for people who really didn't see that before, because they, this is not the unveiling of the secondary crest. They unveiled that way back on the initial branding launch. They just haven't utilized it heavily outside of a few, um, if you open the app, the, when you first open the app, there's a, uh, a dynamic or animated graphic of the secondary crest. There's no St. Louis city on the right side. And so they've had this out there, mm -hmm. but to, to plant it front and center in the stadium, I think gets to the point of, they don't need to create the brand awareness of this is St. Louis city in this spot. You know, maybe they'll have the primary crest somewhere else, but at least with this particular spot, I think it's on the on the market side, uh, southeast corner of the stadium, I think that's where this is. This is, and Jake, you can probably uh, validate that. You were there earlier. Yeah, uh, my parents were uh, in town over the weekend. They are sporting Kansas City fans, but my dad rocks a lot of city gear. Background: If you don't know, I grew up in Kansas, so yeah. we grew up going to a lot of sporting games. <laughs> but uh, they're they're very excited to come to Kansas City, or sorry, come to St. Louis to watch City. Uh, my mom specifically is like, yeah, well, I'm excited to come and I'll wear my sporting gear. My dad's like, hold up. I got a lot of city gear that I'm going to wear. I'm not going to be jumped. Uh, not that word. Those <laughs> they need to get one of those. Uh, really house, they need to get one of those house divided things. Oh, they do. Yeah. <laughs> but what we do have, uh, oh, per the logo, I think it, there's, there's quite a few of them up. I think there's more than one hmm. up. So it's kind of all around on every side of the stadium, I think. Um, yeah, it looks so clean. And to your point, like once you're there, it's like people know city yeah and so to see that that difference and it kind of like pops a little more when the subtlety of it makes it pop i think in that reference and i don't know i just I can't saw, get over how cool it is i saw one comment um Agreed. and i can't remember who made it but it, the comment was about why why isn't this the primary crest like why why wasn't this the crest from the get-go and essentially it boiled down to we need the club needs something to uh, make sure you have like, this is St. Louis and St. Louis city. And so whether the city is the biggest font or whether St. Louis is like the club's name is St. Louis city. And so you need to reinforce that. And that, mm -hmm. that is accomplished with the primary crest. You get to what's on the stadium and then you can get into the conversation of like, you look at the blues today and the blues today don't have St. Louis on the blue note. They just have the blue note because the blue note is synonymous with St. Louis blues. So I don't think, uh, na nationally or globally or anything, St. Louis city is to that point, but I think you can kind of see where, where that would be heading, where you have a, a, a secondary crest now, and maybe it transitions into what the, a future rebrand could look like. Uh, cause we know in, in the lifetime of the club, a rebrand will happen, mm. uh, down the line every, and, and ideally it would be tweaked as opposed to a full on, because even in the EPL that that's what we see. Man City, I think, was one of the most recent ones where they had a tweaking to their crest that's still very much uh, iconic and very much Man City, but it, it looks different and, you know, the, the ship is in a little different position. We'll probably have something similar. We're seeing the, the seeds laid with the secondary crest, um, but even by throwing it out there around the stadium, people know locally now what that crest is from that the abstract arch to the lines representing the confluence, like seeing that on a crest of the shape 
that's very clearly St. Louis City. And the, I think the club feels that at this point and going forward, they don't have a problem locally with that being associated with St. Louis City. And personally love it because, like we just said, that is a gorgeous looking crest. Yeah, I mean, almost every brand starts with something and then simplifies. And it, it, uh, my favorite one, actually, Matt, is the Arsenal one, seeing all the cannons over the years. And every, it gets more simple every time, and, and I think it's better. I've always thought with graphic design, unless you can nail something complicated, which is very hard to do, just go simple and basic and just stick with it. And so, you know, and I agree with you that it's so universal the two and, and I love that they have so many that are, are the secondary crest on all of their branding that it, I don't even know if people would notice. And so you have my vote. I like one better than the other. And uh, whatever you do with the rest of this is uh, just fine. I'm happy. Uh, let's talk about the big one today, Matt. Spygate. The Open Cup match, I think, is probably oh, we're, finished. And we're there. We know that Orlando City won. Was it 2-0? Is that the final score? I think it was 3-0. Three. Three got another one. Yeah. You we're know, watching them. Guy, at, so I was, at the time of recording, we're watching them uh, with their gold medals around being interviewed. Ugh. Gloating. Like it was. I'm just kidding. I'm a big MLS guy or USL guy. I mean, so I was. Oh, really, clip that off. Really, clip that Freudian slip off. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was really rooting for um, Sacramento. Um, I, I think everybody was. So yeah. I, even even myself, who is like, you know, I, I don't want to deal with the garbage that'll come about like usl team beat an mls team oh usl is automatically better than mls and there's competition and i I, even i wanted sacramento to win because of that and and the weirdest part about us talking about this is they were supposed to be our expansion brothers right it's weird to think about tonight because they've done so well this season after like a kind of a rebuild uh, Mark Briggs is a good coach. Like all that messed up was kind of the ownership change and just like them falling apart through the process. And that's sad, um, but maybe it was and deserved they had, at this point. And they know. addressed it. They addressed it on the call in the first half yeah. very briefly, but they did. Uh, John Champion and Taylor Twelman did talk about how they were supposed to be an MLS expansion team. But when Ron Burkle um, lost too much money because of COVID, he backed out. Yeah, but they should have been. Te- it was it's wild how it could have played out in an alternate reality. We were supposed to be team 28. They were supposed to be team 29. You would assume Charlotte would be team 30, but then it, everything kind of breaks down. Sacramento gets kicked out. Uh, We get an extra year and Charlotte gets uh, in as the 28th team because they already had an NFL stadium to play in. And now we're stuck with Las Vegas. Just kidding. Who knows? Who knows? Seems that way about that when that, when that day comes, but let's talk about the other, uh, catastrophe or the other i don't know spygate what do we think orlando city i'm just gonna spygate say what soccer I edition. that orlando city gave um sacramento like a public park to practice in because there was apparently nowhere else for them to go believe that yes or no who knows um but while they're there they asked a certain person to leave for 30 to 45 minutes and he refused to leave he or she i don't know who is um supposedly that person was a spy for Orlando City and clearly that's why they won 3-0 against a superior team. Uh but man these labels clearly he was a spy. <laughs> right. But this was reported by Taylor Twelman and so like surely he got this straight from Sacramento's organization and the you know US soccer is going to have to look into this. Last thing I'll say like does US soccer care are they going to handle this well or is anyone going to put pressure on them or like always is the U.S. Open Cup going to get ignored until, you know, just because no one seems to care? So no one of value seems to care in U.S. soccer. That's my last statement of the night. Matt, do you want to take it from here? What do you think? No one of value. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Uh, no, no, no one, one of values uh, Taylor Twelman's wonderful ideas. Well, That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> the, the, it wasn't an idea. It was Taylor Twelman hearing, like getting us getting information from a source, which is juicy as hell information. I mean, that you hear about that kind of thing, you're going to tweet it out regardless of how many times you verified it. <laughs> but True. and it, it does, it True. does, it did happen apparently. So it's not like he tweeted something out and then had to retract it. We've seen other journalists or other pseudo journalists have to do that. But this, and there were other uh, different details to the story that came out eventually. So when it first, I think when Twelman first uh, tweeted it out, it was more along the lines of that, of 
Sacramento caught an Orlando City employee at their practices and, and they asked him to leave for 30 to 45 minutes and he didn't. That was basically the extent of it. And then over the course of the next few hours, it came out that, well, Sacramento was kind of practicing at a public park near Orlando. So why are you practicing in a public park? That's that's the first thing. And then it starts coming out that, well, there were really no available places for them to practice. And I think it was Jeff Carlisle from ESPN that I saw who mentioned in a 25-mile radius of Orlando City Stadium. So Sacramento obviously needs a local place to practice. And you you would assume that they checked all of the club fields. You would, And by they... Colleges... They is ambiguous because was it Sacramento's responsibility? Was it Orlando City's responsibility? Was it U.S. Soccer's responsibility? I tend to think it should have been U.S. Soccer's responsibility to find Sacramento a venue to practice in that is private, isolated, conducive to what they need, or at least like outside the realm of random person, regardless of who they work for, can just walk up and start watching your practice. Seems a little shady that that was even allowed to happen by U.S. soccer. Which is, just to cut in for a second, which is just like more U.S. Open Cup bullshit, U.S. soccer, like not taking care of things because they don't care enough to think ahead about what could go wrong. Let's make sure this is smoothly operated. Let's make sure this is a world-class tournament because it's been around for this, you know, it's been the second most old soccer tournament in the world. But never treat it as such. Never treat it with the reverence that it deserves. Yep. So that's yet another reason uh, to get angry about that kind of thing. But I mean, there's a few unknowns here of whose responsibility was it to find them a field? Uh, Were there really no other private areas that were uh, that were available? Like, did they really call everybody? Because I can kind of understand the college football, college soccer situation. Both both uh, season both are in season. So I can understand not having a field available at the collegiate level. I could understand Orlando City saying it's not a responsibility to find you a venue to practice in. It's U.S. soccer. I I get all that. And so it it kind of really sucks that for Sacramento that it boiled down to that. Uh, What it it doesn't do, uh, all of that said, it doesn't absolve Orlando City of what that staff member did. Because you know or you would assume that it wasn't a rogue staff member who said, I'm going to make a name for myself and I'm going to go out to (laughs) Sacramento's practice that I heard they're going out to and I'm going to start writing notes and texting staff members saying, oh, it looks like they're uh, running a tight formation on defense. You know, they're they're really playing back and I think we might uh, we might have trouble breaking their back. You know, not I don't think that happened. I think it was more coordinated or uh, had at least a few levels of, you know, I somebody higher up in their sporting department heard that they're practicing. So he sent somebody out. And from what we saw, it wasn't that they were videotaping, which was akin to what we know the Patriots in the NFL did Mm -hmm. (laughs) a a couple of times, including rumoredly to St. Louis back in 2001. But it was more like writing notes. It was more uh, taking, watching what was happening, taking notes. And then they were asked to leave a public park and, so that's where that's where uh, knee jerk reaction. I heard public park, and so I'm thinking it's absurd. Like they have every right to be at a public park. You know, it sucks that you're there, but it is what it is. Doesn't absolve Orlando City of any of it, and it is it is shady as hell. It is unethical, and to an extent, it kind of for those who are still hanging on here because we've gone on a little bit on this. If you're interested in other MLS teams and backstories of fans and teams. It's kind of par for the course for Orlando City. They they have a sort of history with this in their front office of just being poorly run, but their fans in particular have a history of this kind of stuff, like some shady things where their fans have fought with other fans. So they've gone to Atlanta, they've gone to uh, well, they went to Miami and they got into a fight. So they've they've gone to Charlotte. You know, it's it's not it's not a good place to be when Orlando City fans come around and I think it's a little more than there's a couple bad apples so there's that uh, legacy that they've left but their fans also have doxxed officials (laughs) and so this is a little bit near and dear to my heart given what what I went through this summer that their fans didn't like something that happened uh, on the field with uh, some officials in their match and so they they doxed him. They took it off the pitch into real life. And whether it's one, two, three, ten, twenty fans, that's something that's just unacceptable. And it it, it just 
creates a black eye for your entire fan base and that's what you become known for and so that's why we're that's why i'm talking about it because that's what the the world or the nation knows orlando city fans as is doing that so you have all of that baked together and and knowing that their their official went and spied and watched their practice right before the open cup match there's no sympathy to be had for orlando in any of this and i can't imagine there ever will be Jake, any thoughts? You might be the least emotionally tied to this tournament and in this situation. No, I, I, I was I mean, I'm not about it. I'm not too tied to U.S. Open Cup, but j- that's just because like it doesn't get as much love. Like I, I have tried to watch games um, like here and there. Through, I mean, I watched us obviously, and then anytime I saw it was on, I would watch games. But at the same time, it's like, oh, U.S. Open Cup's on tonight. It's like it's it just doesn't get the love it deserves, and I wish it was such a bigger deal because I love watching the FA Cup. Um, like it's one of my favorite weekends when those matches are on and I, I, I would love if they got this, the same amount of love in the hype. Um, but as far as this, I didn't even know about this story, which goes to show how little I knew about us open cup. Cause this was a big <laughs> deal. And I've also kind of been off social media, uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been watching a lot of stuff on delay. So I've been like purposefully not on social media as much. So that's probably why I missed it. But so I, I have no real say. So thanks for enlightening me. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, I don't know this story. You got doxxed this year for what? Oh, my God. So oof, I think Jake knows a little bit about this one. But uh, this goes back to June. Uh, June is Pride Month. And St. Louis City had posts about it. And the Luligans had posts about it. And Pride Razor was going on where the Luligans were raising money for um, Metro trans of St. Louis, Mm. Metro trans umbrella group. And so we're trying to get the word out for that. We're trying to raise awareness. And and so city made a post, uh, one time in June on Facebook about this. And so I posted a link in the comments of support, support, uh, you know, LGBTQIA causes. This is a great way to do it. Here's a link, uh, donate per goal, yada, yada. And this account, uh, responded to me and multiple other people with some of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Uh, not just like, uh, gay people are bad, homophobic. Like it's not, not like any of that. It was just like next level stuff. So that was bad. Hmm. And then it progressed pretty well, slowly at first, but, uh, I, I went on a trip in July, um, beginning of July to Branson. And so I unplugged for a little bit. And when I plugged back in, come to find out that this person who I didn't have many interactions with at all other than that had changed their Facebook profile image and name to mine. So they made it seem like they were posting things from me and they would go post on like Fox two KSDK, uh, city's page and, and all kinds of other stuff with the most horrific, like anti-Semitic, anti-gay mm. and all of this stuff oh, Lord. yeah to the point where and this is where it gets bad is end of july i think it was maybe beginning of august uh no i think end of july um my boss at work has to send me an email and call me at uh at, at and then calls me at night to let me know that my HR at work has received complaints about my face and name posting some of this stuff online. So it just progressed from there. Luckily I have the coolest boss in the world who has my back on a lot of these things and is technologically savvy because I work in, you know, healthcare IT, (laughs) but so we're able to kind of prove very quickly, uh, that all this stuff, what, what is really going on. And so that just, did you like put the email out? Like, Hey guys, this isn't me. That's, oh, that's yeah. the scariest part is like someone oh, yeah. can buy you like, and, oh my God, I can't believe you said that at work. And so if you, if you look at my Facebook, which I, I had to lock down my Facebook and my Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff for a period of time and still is on, um, for the most part, Facebook and Instagram especially. But I, I posted like lengthy on Facebook urging people to report this person because it's clear, like my face, my name, they're posting things pretending to be me. Mm. And so Facebook, I get, I get all these emails when people report them as pretending to be me. And so I get like just hundreds of them, which God bless everybody who's friends with me who did that because you guys are amazing. 
but never received anything from Facebook as far as like what they were going to do or that they reviewed it. And yeah, it's, it's legit shitty and they removed the post or removed the account. Um, one way or another though, the account uh, seemingly has disappeared. And I've heard that from multiple people who, um, they, at one point this person went and blocked everybody that I'm friends with who tried to report them. So I have heard that it's at least down now and I hope it stays that way because it was quite the shitty thing. Agree. Yeah. So that's the stuff that Orlando city's doing. That's what Orlando, that's the type of circle it back to soccer, circling it back. That's the thing that Orlando city fans did to a referee at one point. And so like, I don't know if you could tell the, the, anger and frustration that's elevating my voice right now but that's that's yeah. the kind of impact that that kind of dirtbag behavior has and sorry man it has no place in soccer it has no place in humanity mm. i mean be kind to each other people there's no reason not to be and sports is definitely not a reason to get worked up about that kind of shit agree there are more important things in life uh, it's a bit of a doubt. First of all, Matt, I'm sorry that happened to you, man. I can't believe I didn't catch on to that. I would have at least tried to help report and all that stuff. All good. Oblivious. I do feel though we should not end the pod on that. Well, no, I, I <laughs> so, think, thinking, Oh, go ahead. You got something in mind? Well, I was just going to say that, uh, it's, it's September 7th when we're recording this and, uh, we are one and a half weeks away from Centene stadium opening. I think we're going to do a flyover forecast next week to really like dig into that match, the SKC two. I think it deserves it. I think we should do something, but, uh, it's a big, it's a big weekend for soccer in general, um, that we'll try to touch on next week, but make plans for September 17th and 18th. Uh, Dogtown is having this family fun Mm -hmm. festival on the 17th where St. Louis city SC is going to be there. I think it's 10 AM after a fun run to open the new futsal court they have there. And uh, one of my buddies, Jojo, is responsible for helping to get all that uh, coordinated and put together. And it, it's, it looks amazing. And I can't wait to go out there and, and, and see that and be a part of that. And that's the 17th. So that's like it's almost like a, a pregame for what's going to happen on the 18th. Mm-hmm. But also on the 17th is our U21 side that plays in the UPSL. They have a home match which is still scheduled for the Centene training fields. That's cool. Will we be able to go? I don't know. But they're playing at Centene training fields anyway. That's and then the 18th, the 18th is, of course, Centene Stadium opening, um, which season ticket holders have, uh, season ticket holder accounts have tickets. I can tell you I'm going to show up to it. I'm just going to walk there, and if someone tells me to leave, <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. No, um, <laughs> That Dogtown, the futsal court is in my neighborhood, so my whole family intends to go. So if you're there, make sure you say hi. I would love to see you. Uh, I need to buy stickers for something all other than this. And so I think I'm going to get a bunch of flyover footy stickers with our logo on it. So if you guys, I'm just going to carry them around. If anybody wants a sticker, they can stick somewhere random, even if no one looks at it. If you want it, I would be happy to give that to you once I get them. Um... Yeah, 11 days away from 918. Right now, in 11 days, we will be in Centene Stadium. That's just so freaking exciting. I'm, I can't wait. Um, one thing about that is that I, um, Santiago's normal partner, Hector, isn't available to do the Spanish broadcast. So we're going to have a bit of a Spanglish broadcast for the Spanish broadcast. So I will be doing color commentary for that. And I'm excited. I've never done hey, it before. Nice. May or may not be good. But, you know, if that, uh, if you're. Uh, Watching that, you can't make it to the game and the feed cuts out. You have a second option. You'll understand like half of it if you don't speak Spanish. (laughs) That is awesome. I'm really excited to give it a shot. Um, But mostly everybody, St. Louis City fans, there's a lot going on right now. It's uh, a good time to be a St. Louis soccer fan. I can't wait to start seeing you guys at events in the stadium and on the training ground. We've had this will be our second presser this week on the training ground. It's been really fun. I'm really excited. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jake, for joining me. And anyone listening, thanks for listening. We'll be talking to you guys soon.